So something special that we do on Labor Day weekend on this Faith and Work Sunday is we usually invite someone uh, to speak who can really speak into the, all of these faith work issues that are so difficult to wrestle with at times. And so Gina Mayo is here to speak with us this morning. Gina is one of our covenant partners. Uh, she's also an ordained Presbyterian pastor. She's also a mother. She's also an educator. She was the head of school of Churchill Academy, one of our mission partners for nine years. She's also was the director of a nonprofit. Uh, now she's a chaplain for hospice. So goodness, Gina uh, can really speak into this so-called divide that we experience between our sacred life and our faith and the secular life of our everyday work. And so we're so grateful, Gina, to have you speak to us this morning. We're honored. So first, I want to say thank you to you, Third. Um, It was 15 years ago that my family and I first started attending, and you helped Matt and I raise two amazing children who are now 23 and 19. Um, You prayed with us when Matt's mom died suddenly. Um, You prayed and brought us food through a recent medical journey that I had to now being cancer-free. So I just want to say thank you um, for who you are and for being our friends. And now this Labor Day Sunday, we're going to look at laboring by faith on how our occupations What we do as Christians in the world brings us into God's amazing story. But before we do that, let's pray. Our great God of our fathers and our mothers, be with us today. May we learn how our work helps us become a part of your great story. Amen. I read to you from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then to verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise." And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, friends, you know, I know that laboring by faith is hard. The book of Hebrews, this scripture, the whole book was written for Jewish people who had been completely transformed by their faith in Jesus Christ. Home, work, community, everything they knew was turned upside down when they stepped out and believed, some of the first believers in the world. And they willingly put this newfound faith into action. They held nothing back. They gave away their money. They gave all their time. They left behind family connections. 
But when this whole book was written, this letter, this book of Hebrews, it seems that the hardships of living, of laboring by faith, were overwhelming them. They were figuratively drowning. They were being persecuted economically, physically, socially, because of their faith. They were losing the will to keep going in a faith that matters. And friends, let's take a moment today to recognize that there are Christians alive today who are in the same predicament because of their faith. They woke up this morning not knowing what can happen just because they say out loud, I believe in Jesus Christ. Our calling to labor by faith is not that extreme, which is good and bad. Because we're typically able to separate, aren't we? We separate out our labor from here in Sunday mornings. We sprinkle just a little bit of salt six days a week, a little bit of our faith. But today we really focus on it. But God didn't mean for this separation. God means for our labors, dear friends, and our faith to be so connected, so intertwined that everything in our lives gives evidence, substantiates our faith. This translation of verse 1 emphasizes active connections of faith to every aspect of our life. Hebrews chapter 11 repeats by faith over and over and then gives an example of how an ancient biblical hero acted in the world, how their actions gave substance to their hope in God, evidenced their belief in God's promises. This embodied faith made them a part of God's great story. It inspires me. If you haven't read it in a while, it should inspire you. It inspired the first readers to keep going, to persevere, to not give up. What the Christian faith can look like in the world, as God calls us. And today we are focusing just on Abraham and Sarah, called by God to leave everything they knew and to go to a place led by their faith in the promises of God. And by their example, we can also learn how laboring by faith today, every day, is how we become a part of God's great story. So I came up with four labor lessons for you. And they follow along with the verses 8 through 11. So lesson one is built on verse 11. And lesson one is this, we labor as those who are called. That's lesson one. We labor as those who are called to be a part of God's story. Now I just want you to understand that labor is both paid and unpaid. I'm gonna lump a lot of things in with labor. Students, if you haven't started already, come Tuesday, you're gonna labor at school. You're going to complete schoolwork. It's hard. I like to call it home management, but we labor at home as well, don't we? We make lists for what we need from the grocery. We go to the grocery. We put them in bags. We bring them home. We put them in the fridge for someone to open the door and say, there's never anything to eat. <laughs> Maybe that's only my house. 
You labor at computers, you labor at home, you labor in offices. You serve customers. You labor as volunteers. Your labor helps our community flourish. Friends labor to help each other. You labor to bring food for five months to those who are diagnosed with cancer three days a week. Plenty of opportunities to labor every day. And in Genesis, it's fascinating. You can read that Father Abraham labored very successfully, it appears. In Genesis 13, it describes all his livestock and his gold and his silver. When Lot gets in trouble, he has 300 trained in our men to take to save him. And then by chapter 21, his political power, now called Abraham, he's making treaties. But what is highlighted in chapter 11, in this verse, verse 8, is that when Abraham was called, he obeyed. He labored for God, not for himself or any earthly manager. Now, you might be thinking, you know, how can I be called by God in my job? Maybe your job's boring. Or maybe you think it's just too unimportant. I'm just too small. My job is too small. Don't make me give you the head of school look. <laughs> that is not true. Genesis 1 and 2 speaks of how God made us to work to give us dominion. It is a part of God's story that all work honors God. Jesus had us question our understanding of earthly status when he says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. But let's be clear, your work matters, not because you decided to do it, not whether it's great or small, not even what it is, no earthly importance or value. Your labor matters because of who you are in Christ. We labor as those called by our faith in God and God alone. And lesson two builds on this understanding. Lesson two follows verse nine. We are called by faith to labor by faith in God as strangers on this earth. So Abraham obeyed God's call to walk to a new place. And in the ancient world, to be called by God to leave home, it was huge. You lost all sense of self, of family. You lost safety. You had no protective group around you. It was to really risk everything. It, it, it was a crazy call God gave Abraham. And if you've ever moved to a new place like I have twice in my life, once when I was young and once when we moved here, or maybe you've gone to a new school, but it's critical, you know no one. No one to introduce you around. No one to say, you know, this is so-and-so and they used to do such-and-such. -such. No one knows you. It is very disconcerting. No one knows what you've done. No one knows who you are. But it also can be amazingly freeing. By losing all our earthly supports, we are forced to focus just on God. 
Our identity is to be found in the promises of God fulfilled for us in Jesus Christ, not in anything we have constructed for ourselves. Place is also an important part of our work identity, isn't it? There tends to be two questions we kind of ask. Where do you live and where do you work? A place. And friends, where I worked for nine years became my identity. It was head of school, Churchill Academy. It's a private faith-based high school, still doing really well in the East End. But my identity became so wrapped up over time that it became, I am the Reverend Gina Mayo, saving, no, I mean serving students in the East End. I mean, it really kind of became that. My work became so important to my self-worth and value, I thought, as I grew unbelievably tired, who would I be if I stopped? How would people know me? And I grew short-tempered. I began to take things personally instead of taking the right action. I became the definition of burned out. To be God's stranger in this world, our identity can only be found as an obedient child of God. To labor as a stranger in the world, called and obedient to God, it releases us. It gives us clarity. It's like, you know, you hire somebody new and they come in your office and they immediately point out five things to do different and you're like, how did you see that? Well, they're a stranger. Or you bring somebody into your house and they go, why is your sofa there? Put it over there. And you go, how could I have sat 20 years with the sofa there and it's so much better over here? That's, if we're a stranger, we're able to, to look and as called, point things out. As an obedient child of God, strangers in this broken world, by faith we labor, we persevere, we strive. But at the core of our being, we can be at peace. As strangers letting go of all that so easily entangles us and holds us down. Because we look to God, we look to our heavenly home, which is lesson three. In this beautiful verse 10, we get this great vision. In the New Testament, it is to the day when Jesus Christ will come again. All our labor, all our earthly faithfulness is somehow a part of building a future great shining city, the new Jerusalem. My favorite husband, Matt Mayo, that's a little Old Testament humor, okay? He's an architect and a builder, and he also loves to do carpentry and fix things. And so in our family, we say things like, Daddy built that building, as we're driving through Richmond and the D.C. area. And when our son Davis was three, he looked up to me, and he said, Mommy, how does Daddy build the buildings? You were at McDonald's, Davis. I don't know if you remember. He's here on the back row. And I was like, honey, what do you mean? And I realized that in his mind, Daddy had on a tool belt and a toolbox and built 20-story buildings all by himself. Because <laughs> Daddy is great. And he trusted that. 
And of course, we know that, that that's not the case, that it takes a lot of people together to build buildings. And we're to grow up, we're to figure things out, we're to understand how things work, we're to manage well. But I think in our hearts, we're also to keep a little bit of that childlike trust. Trusting that God is building something with our little earthly minds can never fathom. There is no way we can understand what is to come by our great and powerful God, is there? And in this city, this future city that Abraham is looking to, friends, there is no more sorrow, no more pain, no more cancer, no more death, no more poverty, no more loss. It is a beautiful city. It is amazing, and I can't explain it to you. I don't know how it's going to happen. It is not for this little mind or yours to understand. But as we labor, as we work, take heart, be strengthened, look forward to God. He is building something great. And our final lesson, lesson four, is we labor as those enabled by God. It's built on verse 11. And first, let's just say that there is no ageism in God's labor market. Sarah was 90 when she had Isaac. Abraham was 100. I love that. As followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that by putting our faith, our trust, our hope in our risen Savior, all things are possible. We are enabled through Christ who gives us strength. Isn't that amazing? to be enabled, to be so enabled. Scripture says we, we can move mountains. It's so beautiful, it's so amazing, and it is so easy. So tempting to put ourselves not as the faithful enabled, but as the enabler. One letter change. We become enabled to being the enabler. We make ourselves God's promises. We make ourselves the agent of change. And Abraham and Sarah did this, didn't they? After years of faithful waiting, they still believed in God. They believed in his promises. He's put us on this journey. He's going to bring us his son. But you know what? We got to enable this. We, we, we're the enablers. We're the way he's going to do it. And Hagar and Ishmael and all that rolls out of that are a result. We are not to be enablers. I don't know how it works. It changes. But we are enabled by God. But God is the one who empowers us. I have to share a story, and it only fit in in this service, so you're very special, that my mama is 102. Ruby Rosetta Hester Milford. Isn't that a name? She was born when Woodrow Wilson was president, 1917. And she, her mind is all there. She will say things like, well, she's from the South. She lives in Cherokee County, Georgia, North Georgia. Well, now, I just can't remember. Was it 1946 or 1947? Let me think. And you're like, Mamma, I can't remember what happened yesterday. She's living in an assisted living. 
And she has always seen herself, she only finished the eighth grade. She grew what she ate and she made what she wore nearly her entire life. We had to take away the rototiller when she was 94 so she wouldn't go out and have her garden. She moved in assisted living at 98. She said, well, God calls me to help. God calls me to do things. And where she's living now, she can't cook for people anymore. She can't can. But she can, and most days she is able to get her walker and go down the hall and eat breakfast in the dining hall and slip some bananas in her walker basket and push it down the hall and knock on the 80-year-old's doors and give them a banana. And it's really important. She just, to me, in my mind, gives me this picture. She doesn't do it as, hmm, I'm still, you know, I'm able to do this. She does this as, wow, God, I don't know why you still have me here. I don't know why I'm still able to get out of bed. I don't know why my heart hasn't given out yet because it's slowly failing. I don't know why. But I do know, God, that you're just calling me to love my neighbor. You're just calling me to serve so I can take more bananas than I'm supposed to and share them. It's a mindset to be enabled. Isn't that a good story? Friends, God stayed faithful to Abraham and Sarah when they made mistakes. My grandmother's not lived a perfect life. She's made mistakes. God stays faithful when we change who we're supposed to be as we try and act this body out. It, it's not about our being perfect. It is not what you can do. It's about believing in God's promises. It's about believing, leading at 102, God calls you to love your neighbor. It's about believing as you labor as a student, as you labor in a home, as you labor at work, as you labor shopping in the grocery, that God can use you. And then, as we just patiently in, work in this world with patience that God is using us, Look for the ways God enables you to be used. For in laboring by faith, by this kind of faith, by a called faith, by an enabled faith, a stranger, we become a part of God's amazing story. By faith, by your faith, go forth confident confident in your calling to labor wherever it may be. You are a part of God's story wherever you sit. By faith, go as a stranger on this earth. Look ahead. Look ahead, stranger, and see God's great glory because it's coming. By faith, know yourself as nothing more and nothing less than a child of God, enabled by this faith in Jesus Christ, in his life, death, and resurrection, to do anything he calls you to do on this earth. And by such faith, every day, we join believers here in this room, believers all across Richmond, believers all across the world, now and in the one to come, becoming a part of God's great, amazing, and beautiful, redemptive story. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God of Abraham, Sarah, dear God who sent your only son, Jesus Christ, be with us today. By and through our faith, may we not labor in vain, but as a part of your great story.
Amen.